Welcome to Massive Late Fee. And now your hosts, Mark and Carol. Well, hello everyone. Welcome back to Massive Late Fee. My name is Mark. With me as always is my girlfriend, Carol. How you doing, Carol? Hey, what's up? It is October 22nd, 1994. And I've got good news. What's that? There's no news. What? No news is good news. I I suppose. There's no news for this week. Nothing, literally nothing is happening in the world of entertainment. Nothing's happening in the world. O.J. Simpson's still in jail. (laughs) Trial's not yet. I mean, there's, there's nothing, there is nothing going on. Wow. Well, I guess they're saving it all up for Halloween week. Yeah. And there's no there's no massive love either. Yeah, well, we just didn't feel like dealing with it today, I guess. I I, I skimmed the paper a little bit and there was nothing of import in, in anything. Okay. So straight on to I don't know, the TV stuff. (laughs) Which is weird this week because we kind of watched two movies instead of TV shows and movies because they did a uh, Say by the Bell. Yes, they did. It was broken up into like four parts, so it was kind of like TV. And it was terrible. That's everybody cheering for Say by the Bell. (laughs) Only you, dear, only you. Oh, there's a whole bunch of people cheering. <laughs> are there are there some people booing? Because that's how I feel. No, let me let me see if there's people booing. No, no, no booing. <laughs> Boo. So yes, the Saved by the Bell honeymoon or not honeymoon? Vegas wedding, wedding, wedding in, in Vegas. Vegas. Yeah. So, we get some glorious shots of Las Vegas at the beginning. (laughs) Yeah, you know, I haven't been yet, and it's kind of been on my bucket list, but it looks really cheesy. It does kind of look It doesn't look as cool as I thought it would look. Yeah. But, uh, so for background for everyone that, that might not be aware, this is basically the conclusion of Saved by the Bell, The College Years. It's a a coming full circle to the story of Zach and Kelly. And maybe, I don't know, maybe we'll get more. You know, you never know. We might get uh, a peek at married life from the the Morrises. I I don't know. I think that it will be a freaking nightmare. Like, I don't think they could make their marriage into comedy material. No, you don't think so? No, they're 19 years old, and they're getting married. They haven't finished college. They fight all the time. He lies all the time. Yeah, no, I don't see happiness there. I don't see this as like, hey, we're going to have 2.5 children on a white picket fence. No. Wow. No half-child for them. No half-child for them. Hmm. Well, anyway, so the the movie, I guess? It's a movie, TV movie. They're calling it a movie. Mini series. Sure. It starts out with Zach telling, you know, telling his parents his plans to get married at 19 years old and live off campus or in an apartment on campus, I guess, with Kelly. Do they they let you do that? Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, you can do that. If you there are special there's special housing for families. Okay. If you have children or or whatever. All those teen pregnancies, they you know, some of them got to go to college too. You think? I guess. <laughs> okay. But his parents are not happy about about things, especially his dad. Yeah, his dad's kind of a jerk. His dad's no son of mine is getting married in nineteen. No sorry, Bob. I don't like it. I don't blame him. And he says, "I'm not coming to your wedding." That I blame him for. I blame him for producing Zach. <laughs> <laughs> if he if he didn't want Zach to be the way he was, maybe he should have been a different parent. Right. 
But so he says he's not coming, and then his mom has a heart to heart with him in a, in his bedroom and says that she supports him because he seems happy and everything, but she's not coming either. Because if she comes, then the dad will be mad, basically. Yeah, I think that's pretty wimpy. Like, no offense, but if it was, like, you and me and our kids were, like, wanting to get married and you didn't want to go, I'd still go. Yeah, I think that's a bad decision, but... Well, I think that it's bad of her to act like she's afraid of her husband. And, uh... (laughs) I mean, if she wasn't going to go, I think she should have just acted like she agreed with them entirely. I think, well, yeah, I guess maybe she could have done that. But I think it's supposed to be, you know, parents for the, for so long, they they act like they're on the same page or whatever. They, you know, they back each other up when it comes to their kids. And maybe she's just sort of stuck in that, even though that shouldn't really be applicable anymore because he's, you know, 19. He's right. an adult now. But... Maybe she's still stuck in that mentality. But yeah, the, the way the movie started off is just kind of a bummer, and it made me bummed out, like, for the whole thing, really. Just sad. Really? Yeah. Huh. That that whole section, the whole beginning section. So they're going to drive separately. Now, Lisa's there. Lisa wasn't in the college years, uh, but she's there now. And she is going to drive with Kelly and... Zach and Slater and Screech are going to drive in Slater's pickup truck or whatever it is. It wasn't a pickup truck. Well, it was some sort of truck. Looked more like like an off-road vehicle, maybe. I don't think you know cars at all. I don't. You're right. So they they start driving, and Kelly and Lisa break down. They, they, they have a, a wager. Who can get there the fastest? And Kelly and, and Lisa break down. Their car breaks down in the middle of the desert. Do you think it's because they were speeding through the desert? Probably. I, I think that's, yeah, that's probably part of it. Because, I mean, I, I think that whole plan was stupid. Like, no, you should stick together because right. you're driving through the freaking desert, not speed through it and see who gets there first, idiots. Yeah, there's a there's a section where you, where you drive where it basically says no services for you know, like 150 miles or something like that. Right. Because you're in the middle of nowhere. Yeah, I don't think I ever want to drive through there. That sounds frightening. Well, it's more fun than you think sometimes. Okay. But anyway, so they, they break down. Now, it seems like, you know, Zach, Slater, the guys, they're going to win easily. But they get pulled over for speeding. Now, I have a question for you because of what we find out. Do you think that this guy lied, this sheriff lied the entire time? Yes, absolutely. I mean, what what other reason, What other reasonable explanation for how he behaved is there? Yeah, I, I, I agree. So they, you know, he runs the plates and says, oh, this car's been reported stolen. And they're like, that can't be the case. But he says it is, so he takes them to jail, puts them in a jail cell with a couple of weirdos. And they do the classic bait and switch, where there's a guy that's all big and burly and looks tough and everything, and he's writing a sonnet. (laughs) And then there's this dorky looking guy that apparently murdered his wife, I don't know. No, like I said, I don't think she was necessarily dead. He just said she was in the trunk. Well, it's not good. No, it's definitely not good. But, I, mean, I mean, haven't you ever been in a trunk before? I guess if you're sneaking into a, a drive-in movie. See, maybe they were sneaking into a drive-in movie. And that's what he got arrested for. Although I just thought about it. They were in the desert. In the trunk in the desert. Ooh, yeah. that's not good. Yeah, she probably was dead. I think it's funny that you thought that that in any way it could have been okay. Well, I'm not saying it was like la-di-da okay, but I'm just saying I don't think she was necessarily dead just because she was in the trunk. All right. Well, anyway, so <laughs> that's a classic bait and switch. And then the the cop comes up and says, oh, you know, good news. Your, your car, I guess, was your car, but you're going to have to stand trial for speeding. 
And he says, no, it's, it's my wedding. You know, and he says, well, if you, if you pay the expedited fine, then you can just go. And Screech volunteers the information that Zach has $1,200. His only $1,200 that he's going to be using or he's supposed to be using for the wedding. Now, I don't know. I mean, I know they're going to Vegas to get married. I don't know what kind of wedding you can get for 1200 bucks in Las Vegas. Right. But, uh, you know, it can't be that great, honestly. I don't know. I mean, 1200 bucks is a lot of money. Yeah, but is it really that big of a step up from getting married by an Elvis impersonator or whatever? That they do out there? No, especially because it seems like that money was also supposed to finance the entire trip, not just the wedding. Right. Yeah, what's their honeymoon going to be? Well, I don't think they're the going to have buffet one. Buffet at Caesar's Palace. Why not? Buffets are yummy. I, I wouldn't mind that. Ugh. Anyway, so he uh, he pans over the $1,200 so they can get let out of jail. And like I said, I think that that must have been his plan the whole time. He, he reminded me of, it reminded me of Cool Hand Luke, the... The corrupt sheriff in that that's been parodied probably a million times since that movie came out. Okay. Because <laughs> that's what it seemed like, just, you know, they just they didn't, they weren't part of a road gang. Mm-hmm. But anyway, so they get out, they go there, and some, so Lisa and, and Kelly are stranded in the desert, and this dude walks up. What'd you think of this guy? Um... I think he is the weirdest character, and, like, at first when he was walking up, I kind of thought maybe he was going to kill them. (laughs) I mean, seriously, who's just randomly in the desert like that? You didn't think he was cute? Well, I mean, he was all right, but... He comes without his shirt on. Yeah, but I mean... wearing a tasseled vest. But he looks like he's homeless. I mean, I think the not having a shirt on when you're walking around in the desert makes sense. But, I mean, he really, he looks dirty. And, like, why is he walking around? Who walks around in the desert? You're starting to sound like Lisa there. Well, I kind of agree with Lisa, but she was then a bitch to him. I would not be a bitch to him. And, like, we're having first impressions, okay? Big burly guy with, like, half clothes walking out of nowhere in the desert. I'm going to be scared. So he says, oh, you're having car trouble. Let me look at it. Lisa's, you know, says, oh, he looks like a dirty hippie. (laughs) And... You know, that she hates that because she's all about money. Right. And he says, oh, I didn't think one of these yuppie cars would break down. I don't know why. He thinks that BMWs just never break down. Oh. Not a commercial for BMW. Right. <laughs> but he says, oh, it's your fan belts that it broke and your radiator got overheated. So, you know, I need your belt. So he takes Lisa's belt because he can't take uh, anything from Kelly because... Kelly is wearing uh, suspenders, which I think looks dumb. I think she looks cute. I guess, but uh, he she take he takes the belt, cuts off the the thing, and then uses it as a fan belt and pours the water into the radiator, and says that he's in the desert because he's teaching Native Americans Indians, and I don't know I don't know what he's teaching them English I don't know. I don't know. He just said he was teaching on the reservation. He didn't really say what. And so he says, I need a ride to Las Vegas to, because I work at a hotel too for some money. <laughs> and they give him a ride. The whole, this whole thing is weird. Yeah. When we find out what we find out, this whole thing is just, the whole thing is weird. Everything about it is weird. It is. I mean, but I mean, it's the least they could do to give him a ride since otherwise they would just be sitting on the side of the road still. Right. Oh. The girls actually get there first, and then the the boys get there. And Zach follows his instincts and lies immediately. Oh, yeah. Says they got pulled over for speeding, but doesn't mention that they got put in jail, doesn't mention that all their money's gone because of this corrupt sheriff. I don't, I don't understand why he doesn't just... None of this was his fault. Right. Yeah, it makes no sense. Except the only reason is because, you know, we needed this for the story to happen. You know, if he had just been honest up front, you know, there would be no story. Yeah, I guess. So I'm trying to think what happens from here, because there's not not a lot happens in this movie. To be no, for sure. Um, I mean, they talk about the fact that 
like he owes Lisa dinner that he can't afford to pay her. They're trying to figure out how to make money. Oh yeah, so they they try to be caddies. Oh god, yeah. Which is just a waste of time. Ridiculous. And they're you know inept, obviously. And Screech is the most inept. And anytime something fails, it's Screech's fault, basically. And throughout the course of the entire movie. Right. Uh, so they, they get fired from being caddies. They don't make any money doing that. And then they they meet Gilbert Gottfried, <laughs> who tells them that they should be gigolos. Right. Well, he doesn't say gigolos. He says male escort. Yeah. And he, he makes it clear with a uh, hand motion <laughs> that there's no sex involved. Right. That women just pay more than $200 a day because that's the, the salary they're going to make to have guys take them around town, squire them around and show them a good time. Yeah. Kind of crazy. I, I don't think this is true. I don't think this happens. <laughs> Well, I mean, I think the way the escort business works, and I don't know, this is my guess, uh-huh. is that, like, they have the set amount that they pay for whatever, just, you know, going out, and then if they want more, they negotiate that while they're out, and that's between them and the escort. I, maybe, I guess, but I, I don't, I don't think there are people paying, I don't think there are women paying big money to go on a date. Well, I mean, if there are, they're stupid. They should just be checking out the, um, you know, only heart section of the newspaper. Right. Where there are plenty of guys who'd be willing to go out with them. Exactly. Or, I mean. Who are clean and discreet. Right. If you, if you're, I guess, super ugly and, and rich, maybe. You know, the one lady in the pink limo. Yeah. She was freaking scary. And, I mean, I get why she didn't get a date. But the other one was hot. Yeah. That made no sense. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I guess it's supposed to be because she doesn't speak English, but I don't think that most guys care. She was Russian, so I don't... Maybe she was a spy. I don't know. <laughs> maybe. I don't know what was going on with that. But anyway, so... they Everything in this in this movie is... Hey... Dumb. We've got a good premise. Let's do it for... Two minutes, and that's it. And, or or, not even necessarily a good premise, but for instance, there's the classic scene, we saw it in Mrs. Doubtfire, where Zach's got his date with the girl that hired him for the escort service. He He's going to meet her at a, a restaurant, and Kelly wants to go out on a date with him at a restaurant at exactly the same time. Same yeah. restaurant. So it's the classic scene of two dates at once at, you know, going from table to table. But they really only do it for, I mean, maybe it's more true to life with what how this would actually right. work in real life. <laughs> they only do it for about 30 seconds before Kelly walks down and says, who is this? Yeah, I, I agree with you. It was It was much shorter than they would normally do that bit, but it was probably a lot more accurate. Kelly looks really good in that black dress, too. Yes, she did. <laughs> but anyway, so um, Callie's all mad because she thinks that Zach's cheating on her. I don't, I don't, I don't understand. Right in front what, of her, too. I don't understand what she thinks is going on. She asks no questions. She just assumes that Zach's hitting on another girl in front of her and then uh, says the wedding's off and leaves. Right. Well, I think maybe she didn't think that he was on another date. Maybe he thought she thought that he was just flirting with her. I guess, but it's so weird. Yeah, it is very weird and dumb. So Slater has been seeing this brunette-haired girl around town, I guess, and talking to her a little bit, and goes on a date with her. They're at the same restaurant as well. Uh, this stand-up comedian walks up to them. Who's playing a mob guy and says, hey, that's my girlfriend. And Slater says, or she says it's not, that that they broke up. And Slater says, you know, get out of here or I'm going to punch you in the face, basically. The guy basically tempts him to do it. Slater does. And then 
I don't frickin' frack. I don't know what to call these guys. I don't think they have names. No, I don't think so. But one is a midget, basically, and the other one is an ogre. Yeah, they look really weird next to each other. Like, the one guy, I mean, they're both, like, not neither one of them are normal. No. As actors, as people. <laughs> right? No, it's just one super short, and the other one's super tall. Yeah. But they they chase after them. They do another trope where they run through the the kitchen, and there's a Vegas stage show. This is one thing I never I've never understood, and this is the only movie that they've done this shit in. Why, if you're running from somebody, so they go backstage, and then Slater's like, "I've got an idea. Let's dress up as as these dancers, and then go out on stage." If you're trying to to hide from somebody. Why would you hide on a stage show? Right. Where everyone, by by definition, everyone's going to be looking at that. I mean, it's hiding in plain sight, which they do a couple times, actually, during this chasing scene. Like, in the Wax Museum, they do the same thing. Yeah, that, that's another, that's like a Scooby-Doo moment right All there. of it's very cartoonish. So... They, they for some reason, Kelly and, and I think it's Lisa are there. And, mm-hmm. Well, Kelly and Lisa for sure. But I think, yeah, they for some reason they're there as well. They're, they're part of this chase. And they are just staring at the stage even before the boys come out. So are the criminal people. Okay. I don't, that, that also makes no sense. Yeah, why are they watching the stage together? Right. They're all watching the stage. Like they know they're going to be part of it. But they haven't come out yet, and how would they know that? Right. Good points. Uh, so they, they continue the chase, and then Lisa calls the dude that they they gave a ride to because he keeps showing up in different jobs uh, in this hotel, the Stardust Hotel. Well, and he's been dating staying. her. I mean, not really. Well, he's been trying to date her. Yeah, he's okay. been trying. She's been continuously rude to him because he's poor. Okay. And so he, he helps them out and uses the luggage rack, but Zach, or Slate, Screech is coming back from his date with the pink limousine woman. <laughs> and again, he messes things up and like turns around the luggage rack where Slater and this girl are hiding and they get seen. So then they get in the car and the chase continues. Until... Let's see, where does it end? I mean, it ends with them um, having guns drawn on them. Yeah, doesn't it? Like, oh, because, they, well, it ended after the stage thing, doesn't that's, it? That's right, yeah. And then they're going to, okay, the guy that works there is going to take them to, he, he admits that his dad owns the place. Yeah. So then he's going to take them down to the vault and help them rob the place. Yeah. Um, if they let everybody go. Yeah, his dad owns the hotel. Right, the Stardust. So I guess that explains why he's just allowed to work at, at any job that he wants to. Right. Which, it, the whole thing is stupid and very weird. Very but, weird. But, but now Lisa thinks he's attractive because he's got money. Didn't she agree to a date before she knew he had money? She did, yeah. I mean, I'll give her that credit. Um. But anyway, so they go down to the vault and he ends up locking all the bad guys in the vault. Yeah. And that's the end of that. Yep. Which, you know, like you said, it's like, do you think they call the police or are they just going to suffocate down there? Who knows? Yeah. I'm not sure. I assume they called the police, but we never, there's never any real resolution. To right. That. So, yeah, Zach, uh, you know, comes clean and says that he's broke and, and all this stuff and everything. And... Kelly says she doesn't care that they'll just get married, whatever. So he, uh, they, they start to get married by Gilbert Gottfried at a terrible tacky wedding chapel thing where people are literally in line and like take a number style. Yeah. But then his dad shows up. I don't know how his dad and mom knew where he was going to be. I don't know why, how, how they knew which chapel he was going to be at. Somebody called them, but yeah, how did they have all that information? Slater called them. Yeah. And so 
they said, hey, no son of mine is going to get married at 19, but no son of mine's also going to get married at this piece of shit place. Right. So he says, we're going to do it. Let's, let's, uh, I'll pay for a nice wedding and, and we're going to, we're going to do it upright. So then they have a beautiful outdoor wedding amidst all the greenery of Las Vegas. <laughs> I don't know where they found all this grass in, in Las Vegas, but, <laughs> and everyone's there, including Mr. Belding and Tori and Mike Golick, mm-hmm. Bob Golick. Plays Mike and Jesse interrupts the wedding by showing up late. Yeah, Jesse runs in late, so Jesse's there too. It's like it's like the the producers were like, "Well, we can get everyone, but we can only get everyone for about fifteen minutes of one day." Right. <laughs> so let's let's cram them all into this scene. But yeah, it's a it's a reunion of everybody from the the old show, and I mean that's. Basically, that's basically it. They get married, and everyone's happy for him. Mr. Belding cries. <laughs> He's such a little softy. And says, come, you know, visit me at the new class, or whatever. He says, say by the bell in the new class. <laughs> uh, I mean, that's pretty much it. It was a terrible, terrible movie. Slash show, slash miniseries. It was bad. It you know, I mean, it wasn't great. Wow, I'm surprised you admit this. But it was a satisfying conclusion to to the story, I think. Well, I guess. I mean, I still don't think they're going to make it. You think they'll break up, huh? Yeah, I think they're going to get divorced in like 10 years. She's going to be like, you know, hooked on uh, on drugs and... <laughs> He's gonna he's gonna be an alcoholic and not able to hold a job and Wow. Yeah. I think he's going to become governor of California. Oh, you think so, huh? Yeah. <laughs> That's my guess. I guess we'll see. I would imagine you know how they'll do they do reunion shows and stuff like yeah. that. I would imagine ten years from now, twenty years from now, maybe thirty years from now, that they'll do They'll do some sort of reunion, where they'll they'll have a they'll have a reunion special where they bring everyone back, and they do another movie kind of like this. Maybe it'll be better budgeted, right? <laughs> but it'll be you know like a welcome back to Bayside or whatever. And I mean, it's easy to do because they could base it on the school reunion. Yeah, they could do that. I mean, like that's it's an easy plot to do. So. I think they'll do that, and then we'll 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 get a we'll see what happened to them to them all. Yeah, I wouldn't mind that. I I would like to uh, be proven right that you know Zach and Kelly <laughs> break up. So you really think they'd go on that dark the dark route, huh? No, probably not. Yeah, it's with them. It's uh, it's all about you know I can. It's all about the, the chuckles, right? <laughs> so should we go on to the movie for the week? Yes. Oh, and by the way, the reason that we aren't talking about my so-called life is they took a break. Yeah. I, I'm very sad, but but hopefully we'll be back with them next week. And we're not going to keep doing Friends um, right now, at least. No. There's just too much in one, one tape. Yeah, agreed. So, okay, so the movie for the week we watched is Clerks by Kevin Smith. Mm-hmm. It was amazing. It's It's funny because we're doing this a week after we did Pulp Fiction. Mm-hmm. And they're very similar to me. These movies are very similar. What do you see as the similarities? So Pulp Fiction is, there's a lot of very snappy dialogue. And a lot of it is focused on pop culture. So, or at least allusions to pop culture. Because like Tarantino in his writing talks about, you know, that, what was that, Fox Force 5? I mean, it's not real, but it's like a 70s era TV show. Right. And, you know, there's a lot of things in there, the the Buckaroo Banzai and, and stuff like that, where they 
they kind of focus on pop culture stuff. This movie is the same way. Snappy dialogue. Also, not realistic dialogues. But both of them use stylized dialogue to to write. Yeah. And But it's also pop culture minutia. It's just different different brands of pop culture than Tarantino was talking about in Pulp Fiction. But that's, I think, you know, the, their, the writing style, it, it, both of them are, are interesting and different. And yeah. I think that's the way they're similar. But yeah, this movie aired uh, at a uh, the main art theater, which is uh, an art theater. Like, they show you know, kind of art house type stuff um, in in Royal Oak. And it was the only theater around here that it was playing at. We we had heard some things about it underground, kind of, and decided, you know, let's check it out. And, yeah, I mean, I, I really liked it as well. Carol, why don't you, you, you take the reins on this one? Okay, so um, it starts out with this dude sleeping in his closet. Yeah. <laughs> kind of funny like the phone's ringing and he like rolls out of the closet uh-huh. and i've got to wonder like how drunk does one have to be to fall asleep in their closet but he's not um oh what is his name my mind is blinking on his dante. name dante so Don- Which i think it's significant dante's inferno yeah don't you think so yeah don't you think that's part of what this is about yeah i think so too so he had just closed at the convenience store that he works at the night before, mm-hmm. and the boss is calling because someone called in. And he wants him to come and open, and you know he's got a hockey game at two, and you know he's trying to tell him no, and and they keeps you know begging, and he said he'll the boss said he'll be there at twelve to let him leave, so he agrees to do it. So, okay. Whatever, he's going in. And that's kind of a theme through the whole movie is I wasn't even supposed to be here today. He yeah. says that like about a million times. Yeah. Um, and, and the whole thing is just a day in the life of this convenience store clerk. But it's interesting. And there's all these interesting characters and things that happen. So mm-hmm. um, at the first thing, what? They can't get the freaking uh, shutters open. Correct. Yep. Someone's so, jammed gum in locks. Right. So he has. He makes a big sign that says, "I assure you, we're open." Yeah, with shoe polish. Shoe polish. That's through the whole movie too. He smells like shoe polish the whole rest of the day, apparently. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's all these quirky customers that come in. There's the milkmaid. <laughs> they call her, who's just digging through all the milk. There's the guy doing the guidance counselor doing tests on the eggs. I mean. There's a guy who comes in and asks if he can drink his coffee in there and then is trying to dissuade people from buying cigarettes and instead getting them to buy gum. Chuli's gum. Chuli's gum, yes. This is the first, that's the first big, I mean, it's not a set piece because, I mean, this movie looks ultra low budget. Oh, yeah. But it's the first kind of, it's the first... Like, big thing that happens, I guess. Yeah. So, he ends up, this guy ends up getting the customers basically, like, rioting, like, throwing cigarettes at him and stuff. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's really bad. And then his girlfriend comes in and saves him. Yep. With a uh, fire extinguisher. Fire extinguisher. <laughs> and, um, I, I don't know, I, I think that's nuts. Like, I would, I, I as a smoker, mm-hmm. I feel like that's such a sad waste of cigarettes. and Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, I don't think any other smokers would just be like, yeah, let me take these cigarettes and throw them. Yeah. So, girlfriend. I love the guy's rant, though. You're definitely the source in this town. Right. <laughs> yeah, it's like he's some kind of, like, crack dealer or something. Right. Poor guy just works as a convenience store clerk. Mm-hmm. Um, and his girlfriend, Veronica? Yeah, correct. Yeah. Um, she brought him lasagna. To work. What a sweet woman, right? Well, that happens after this. Oh, that's but, later? Yeah. Oh, never mind. But they're... Uh, that happens after their fight. Okay. So they're they're snuggling behind the counter on the ground. Yeah. I think they're painting each other's nails or something. Yeah, it's weird. He Apparently, I guess he likes painting nails. I, I guess. Know. And um, he's just put change on the counter with a sign that says, take, you know, change. Yeah. <laughs> Be honest. Yeah. 
Exactly. So, yeah, he takes his job very seriously. <laughs> yeah, it seems like the easiest job in the world. Right? Well, I mean, I, I think it, I think it is. Like, I think I want this job, actually. <laughs> okay. But, um, I mean, not forever, but, yeah. Um, he, she asked him how many women he's been with. Mm-hmm. Yeah, out of the blue. Well, I mean, not out of the blue necessarily, but. And he says 12. Yeah. And then he asks how many men she's been with. You know, it's funny because do you really think that guy, I mean, no offense to that guy, Brian O'Halloran, but do you really think that he could get 12 chicks? No. Yeah, I don't either. No. <laughs> he's not very good looking. and I mean, he's fine looking, but yeah. his personality in this movie is not good. No, because I mean, he, he's not a go-getter. No. He is very passive, and yeah. and to get twelve women to have sex with you would take effort. You would think. So she said four. She, she's mad. I think three. Three. He's three. What? He's number three. Oh, he's number three. Okay, sorry, I was confused. Um, and he's like, really, only three or whatever, and somehow it com- it comes out. Oh, a guy comes in. Willem. Willem. Yeah. And spaced out fucking yeah, high on. He is high. Um, so Willem comes in and they're talking and she called him Snowball? Yeah. So he wants to know what that's about and she's like, Oh, it's you know about go you know, he likes it when people go down on him and spit it back <laughs> into his mouth so gross. while kissing. Yeah. yeah. And he's You like, wanted to take your mom to this movie. Yeah, that was not the best idea. No. <laughs> Good Which thing it, she was busy. It, it didn't happen. But. Yeah. Um, so he wants to know how she knows this. And she stupidly, and I'm sorry it was stupid, yeah. tells him that she did this. To him. Yeah. Ugh. So he's like, wait a minute, he's not one of the three. Uh-huh. She's like, well, no, that's not sex. Now, let me ask you a question. Is that sex? No, I don't think. I agree with her. I think you should count that in your numbers. I totally disagree. I think they are very different numbers. Okay. I mean, I, I don't understand how how oral sex is not sex, but... Okay. It's not. Well, first of all, it's not giving any pleasure to the woman. It's only giving pleasure to the man. Okay. So how is that the same as mutually satisfying let me, sex? Let me ask you a question. Hmm. Has there ever been an occasion where two people... Two people have had sex, and the man's only gotten pleasure out of it. <laughs> sure, of course there has. Okay, so is that not sex then? No, it's sex. I'm okay. just, I'm just saying there are differences. I mean, because there, there's no way for a woman to get sexual pleasure from going down on a guy. Really, no way. You don't. Well, think I so? mean, not like that. It's different. Okay, so what if the guy's doing stuff with his hands to the girl? When when that's happening, is, I don't know. See, I think then? I think it it's more like sex if both part people are reaching climax. But I still wouldn't count it as intercourse. See, there's a difference between really, intercourse, it's not intercourse, and se- by see, definition. And I think, I think when think people ask for the number, they mean intercourse, not sex. Is it a form of sex? Sure. Even making out is like the very preliminary beginning of sex. Eh. I mean, if you really want to get technical. I think uh, oral and above is, is should be considered sex and your sexual partners. What is and above and what is and below? Does hands not count? Correct. I, see, if you're going to count oral, I think you got to count hand. I think anything that can bring you to climax should count. Well, <laughs> I mean, kissing could bring some people to climax. So then I guess they're, uh, you know... They're having a lot of sex when they make out. Carol, you understand what I'm saying. Like, you're tr- you're you're trying to make this uh, more difficult than it really needs to be. I'm not Why, trying you, to you, make it are difficult. Are you ashamed of your, of your number? I am not ashamed in, of my number. If you add in uh, oral partners? No, I'm not ashamed of my number at okay. all. Okay. But I do think it's a different number. All right. Well, I'm not going to ask you what your number is. Well, good, because I certainly wouldn't tell you here. At least not on the air. Exactly. <laughs> if you want to know, we can talk about it later. But I'm sure it's lower than 37. Oh, hell yeah. I'm sorry, but that girl is a whore. 
I'm sorry. I, I don't use that term lightly, but oh my lord. Because he asks her what her number is of, of, you know, oral partners. And she takes a minute to think about it while another customer comes up and says something like 36. Except he's 37. Yeah, and she's, and he says, what do, you, what do you mean something like 36? I'm 36. And she goes, well, uh, 37. Then. Now, how old do you think she is? He's, he's 22. And I, I get the impression that she's a little younger than him. Yeah, she's like 21 maybe. Yeah, 20 or 21. Is my guess because she's in college and and I, I like I said I feel like she was maybe a, a grade or two below him in high school. So yeah, that's insane. Like in, in twenty years, but not twenty years. Like what age do you think she started? Even if she started like early, like let's fourteen. Yes, yeah, let's say fourteen or fifteen. So let's say fourteen, and let's say she's twenty-one. That gives her seven years. Seven years to suck thirty-seven dicks. Yeah, it's. That there had to be a lot, like there had to have been a period where she did that a, a ton. Right. I mean, say it was a steady average, it would be five or six a year. So that's like one every two months. Yeah. And, and like I said, I mean, there had to have been bunches. There had to have been. I mean, you get the impression she was just, I literally know a girl who did this. And I heard little, like uh, some rapper girl did this, um, but just line them up. Ugh. And then this one girl vomited. You you know a girl that did this? Mm-hmm. Yeah, they'd come to her window at night. What the fuck? I, I think she had some serious um, issues with her parents. Um, <laughs> that's all I can say. Oh, my God. You're going to have to tell me who that is later. Yeah. That's crazy. Is that anyone I know? No. All right. <laughs> no, and I mean, it's all rumor, and it's probably not true, but... Yeah. You know, I mean, I, you... That stuff comes from somewhere. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's maybe one, maybe it happened for one guy. Right. And then you just spread that rumor. But anyway, so yeah, she says 37. He's horrified. <laughs> right. Which I completely understand. Yeah. Like, I, okay, I agree with her that it's a different number, but I still understand why he's horrified. But it's funny because it, it leads to two very funny jokes in this in this movie. He he's still shocked. He's behind the counter. A, a customer comes up and he says, so sort of to your point, he says, my girlfriend sucked 37 dicks. And he says in a row. <laughs> like it was an accomplishment. <laughs> and then, you know, they're arguing, they're fighting and everything. She storms out. Uh, there's a guy hanging out outside the, the convenience store. And he's, he's Dante shouts, trying to suck any dick on the way through the parking lot. And the guy starts to follow. <laughs> yeah, that was hilarious. <laughs> Dante's like, get back here. <laughs> so, yeah, those were those were two uh, funny, you know, funny jokes that, that came from this. But, yeah, horrible, horrible uh, thing to, to learn about your significant other. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. I have a feeling she had like some really slutty summer or something that. They need to discuss. Yeah, something. But um, then there's Randall. Yeah, that's this is when we first see him. And Randall is like it looks like a the same building, probably the same owner. Yeah. Um, but he's on the other side in the video store, which seems like an even easier job than the convenience store. Well, certainly the way he does it, it is right. <laughs> so he's late. He's like half an hour late. Mm-hmm. People are bitching and complaining. Yep. And he, he, it's hilarious. He comes up and there's a lady outside the store and he just leans up against the door like, oh, the guy's late, you know, and like. Talk. Oh, my God. I just. Sorry. What? What? I, I just had an idea as to why the shutters weren't open. Why? So I don't know much about this uh, Kevin Smith dude it or or this movie but other than what we've you know seen of it but i'm gonna guess that that convenience store that they're shooting in is a real convenience store as opposed to a set right mm-hmm. so because of that they'd have to shoot at night right and if they open the shutters it'd be real obvious that these parts of the movie that are supposed to be taking place during the day 
are at night. Right. Okay. That makes sense. So, and maybe that's why some of it is, maybe that's why it's it's shot in black and white too, just so everyone knows. Yeah, which is really cool. Maybe that's why, maybe that's part of the reason why too. Why do you think it is shot in black and white? Well, that's what I'm saying. Oh. Maybe, maybe, maybe because they're shooting at night, he's shooting in black and white and, and overexposing it a little bit so it looks brighter. That makes sense. So it looks more day than, than it really is, maybe. Or it could be that black and white stock was cheaper. I don't know. But it makes the, the movie cooler somehow. Yeah, it definitely sets it out visually. And, and not that this is not that this is a like a tour de force as far as uh visuals go. It's it's decent, but it's not a masterfully directed film. Right. It's not like you can look at this and be like, this guy is another Spielberg. Like, Pulp Fiction is a really well-directed film. Yeah. Quentin Tarantino also understands directing. I would say Kevin Smith is a competent director, but not a gifted director. What he is is a gifted writer. Yeah. Yeah, because it's hilarious. The movie is hilarious. But anyway, I'm sorry. You were saying. So Dante, is not Dante, Randall, Randall. is like pretending to be a customer waiting for the store to open and just like totally fucking with this lady outside mm-hmm. <laughs> like, who wants to rent dental school whatever the fuck that is right sounds like a porno it really yeah it, it's weird dental school and he's all like no i'm gonna rent that movie and stuff but then he um he just like unlocks the door in front of her it's, mm-hmm. it's funny um there's some interesting things that happen in the video store side mm-hmm. um at, a couple <laughs> things. Not not a ton, but um, at one point, this mom is there with her kid, mm-hmm. and they're looking for, like, happy, flappy something. Happy, scrappy hero pup. Yeah. And he's like, oh, well, let me, uh, I'm placing an order. Let me order it. And then he just starts listing off all these freaking pornos. Like, yeah. It's like horrible names. Yeah. Um, and the other one, somebody comes in. Mm-hmm. And don't they owe him a late fee or something? No, she wants to know. She wants to know if the tapes are any good. Oh yeah. And she says, you know, have you heard it? Like what? What? The back and forth between them is funny. Yeah. This guy, this actor, and I, I don't, I don't remember his name, but this actor more than any of the other ones understands the dialogue and understands how to deliver it. Because he does a really good job. Yeah, that's very funny. But basically, like she says, so she says, do you, do you, like, are they any, either of these two any good? And he says, I don't watch movies. <laughs> and she says, well, have you heard anything about him? And he says, I find it best to stay out of people's personal affairs. <laughs> and then she pretends to get two other movies, but they're the same movies. And she goes, what about these two? And he goes, oh, they suck. <laughs> I don't know why he decides to, maybe he just got sick of the conversation. Right. But he's reading a newspaper the whole time. And she says, these are the same two movies. And uh, she says, you know, I, I hope, uh, you, you know, you're happy or whatever. And he goes, uh, or he goes, I don't appreciate, she goes, I don't appreciate. And he goes, I don't appreciate your, your ruse. Right. <laughs> and she's like, what? Your ruse, your cunning attempt to trick me. <laughs> And it's just like there's a big back and forth, and basically she ends up saying "screw you" and walks out. And he goes, uh, "Screw me! You can't run here anymore." You know, like uh, so like all angry and everything. Mm-hmm. The thing you're talking about is um, just so, it's sort of a throwaway line, but it's a really funny line where he talks about how this person uh, said he didn't, he wasn't going to pay his late fee because the store wasn't opened. So he claims the store wasn't open, which I'm sure is true, right? <laughs> And he said that he he ripped up his his membership card, <laughs> like right in front of his face. And Dante says, "What a startling abuse of power!" or something like right. that. <laughs> yeah, so I mean, there's a lot of funny dialogue through the movie for sure. And it's clear these two are friends. Mm-hmm. Now, the big thing that happens in the movie is that Dante used to date some chick named Caitlin Bree, who went off to college and is engaged to an Asian design major, despite the fact that her and Dante have been talking on the phone almost every night for the past few weeks because maybe there's something there. 
even though he's got a girlfriend already. Well, and he just finds this out this day because of the wedding announcements in the paper. Right. Or engagement announcement, I guess. Correct. So, you know, he's he's like absolutely freaking out and upset. And I feel so bad for his girlfriend. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, 37, but still. <laughs> yeah, she's she's getting the, the short end of the stick here. So, yeah, the, the whole movie, you know, he's upset about, about Caitlin. And the girlfriend does come back and bring him lasagna. Yeah, as a, like a, as a apology mm-hmm. for the fight that they had. For sucking 37 dicks. <laughs> um, so, you know, it's kind of like, why is he even wasting his time mm-hmm. on, on Caitlin when he's got this nice girl? Right. Um... Let's see. They shut the store down. Yeah, they shut the store down a few different times. At one point to go to a funeral. Yeah, one time to play hockey, and then one time to go to a funeral of Julie Dwyer, who is uh, one of the 12 women that Dante had sex with. And um, Randall does something bad in there. (laughs) Yeah, he's leaning (laughs) on the coffin for some reason. Like, who would do that? Trying to be casual, I guess, (laughs) and knocks it over. And her body falls out. So, like, yeah, they're getting, like, chased the hell out of there. We don't see any of this. <laughs> it's just talked about later. Right. I assume this would have been too hard or too expensive to film. But it's still funny. Yeah. Um, And then, yeah, they shut down to play hockey because the boss never does come to relieve him at noon like he's supposed to. Right. And um, eventually, Caitlin shows up. Yeah. She got on a train. I don't know where she goes to. They're in New Jersey. I don't know where she goes to school someplace in New England, maybe Boston or something. And, yeah, she said she got on a train and came down because she knew Dante would be freaking out. So, I mean, obviously she does care about him. Yeah, absolutely. But it's weird. Like, why wouldn't she just call him? You got to hop on a trail. Like, that makes him wait longer to be freaking out. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, so she came to tell him, you know, that she didn't, she wasn't really engaged. This guy asked her to marry him, and she agreed to wear the ring while she thought about it. You're right. And her mom just decided to put the announcement out there. Now, so she was not even supposed to be dating somebody. Like, he's got a girlfriend. Mm-hmm. And she has a boyfriend but doesn't tell him. It seems odd to me. Well, she said that she was seeing other people. Like she said, she mentions that she admitted she was seeing other people and she knows about his girlfriend. Right. So they kind of know what, what each other's up to, but he says that, you know, this is more serious than just seeing some other guy. For sure. If, if this guy thinks that there's even a chance she's going to marry him, that's pretty serious. Yeah. Agreed. So she decides, though, that she's going to get back together with Mr. Dante. Mm-hmm. She's going to break it off with the Asian, Asian design major. Right. And um, he leaves to go get ready for their date. He leaves Randall in charge. Yeah. Now, earlier in the movie, some dude, some old guy had come in there. Yeah, this was funny. Asking too. to use the bathroom. And it's like, it's a, it's an escalating series of asks. Right. But he asks to use the bathroom. And asks for better toilet paper, asks for uh, a porno magazine <laughs> to uh, read while he's in there, and then goes in there and, and we never think about him after that. Uh, then Caitlin is waiting for Dante and decides she needs to go to the bathroom. So she goes back to go to the bathroom, and then uh, Dante shows back up. So Dante's waiting for her to get out of the bathroom for, like, a really long time. Mm-hmm. And they're kind of starting to get worried about her. And then she comes out looking like she's been doing something in there mm-hmm. and starts talking about, you know, how great it was that Dante just laid there and let her do everything. Mm-hmm. So she freaking had sex with the guy in the bathroom because he died. Yep. Oh. So she had sex with a dead guy. 
Now, and then... She thinks it was Dante. Yeah, she thought The it was. lights were off. Yeah. Why were the lights off? I don't even remember why the lights were off, but they because were. Because for some reason, at 5.15 every night, the lights go out in the bathroom. So weird. And as according to Randall, the boss doesn't want to pay the electrician uh, because the electrician has late fees at the video store. <laughs> oh, that's funny. That he won't pay. <laughs> so, yeah, it's it's all a big thing. So, yeah, so why anyone would walk into a bathroom and uh, have it be completely dark and assume without anyone saying anything that mm-hmm. they know who's there? And, I mean, this guy didn't look anything like, like Dante. I know she can't see his face, but he was a big guy and short and stuff. I mean, and they used to they used to date Caitlin and Dante. She cheated on him a ton. And they, they used to have sex. Right. She... She can't feel the difference. Yeah, this guy is just a very similar penis. Maybe, I guess that's possible. Also, I mean, it sounded like he'd been dead for a while. Like, mm-hmm. wasn't he cold? Oh yeah, you would imagine. Ugh, that he'd be cold. So she thinks that she's just had like the best sexual experience of her life with Dante, but uh, it turns out it was with a corpse. Yeah. Now, would this drive you nuts? Yeah. Because it kind of drives her nuts. Yeah, she goes into shock. She has to go to the hospital. She'll probably never be okay again. Yeah. So there goes Dante and Caitlin getting back together. Right. Don't think that's happening. I mean, it might, I guess, but she's not doing so hot. And then Dante complains to Randall about everything. And Randall decides, okay, I'm going to go ahead and tell Veronica that you don't love her anymore because that's what you want. So he does, because he thinks he's helping. Idiot. And he tells her all about Caitlin and all this stuff. And she gets real pissed off. Well, yeah, and rightly so. And tells him that if he thought 37 was a lot. <laughs> Just wait. <laughs> which is so, it's weird because, it, is that going to, is that going to hurt him? Nope. You know, I, I don't, I don't, like if they're not together, I don't, I don't get that, but. Yeah, that's some that's some flawed logic. But anyway, so she she gets all pissed off, and then Dante and Randall have a fight. Yeah, they like have a physical fight in the convenience store. It's kind of hilarious. And then they come to a realization, or Dante does, or whatever that that Dante's gonna start showing some initiative and direction, and he's gonna talk to he's gonna visit Caitlin in the hospital and talk to Veronica and try to. Try to patch things up there. So he really hasn't learned anything. Nope. Because he's still going to talk to both these women. Yep. No, he hasn't learned anything. It's it's kind of a sad, pointless journey, honestly. Yeah, much like Dante's Inferno. Right. <laughs> but, yeah, I don't know. And then, then it ends. Randall says you're closed and throws him the, the thing at him that he, that he made in the morning. And then we're, we're done. Um... I don't know. Would you want to see? Would you want to see a sequel to this movie? Would you want to see more adventures of, of the clerks and where they go from here? I I would. I I really enjoyed the the writing in this and mm-hmm. the characters and you know and there's the those two guys are always hanging outside the oh, yeah, Jay, and, even, Jay and Silent Bob. Yeah, we never even mentioned them. Yeah, they're they're there. <laughs> yeah, one is. Uh, so, you know, like I, I looked in the credits and everything. We try to do the research that we can uh, on, on these these movies. So one is played by a guy named Jason uh, Muez. Muez. <laughs> Muez? I don't know. Muez. M- Munez? Something like that. And the other one is Kevin Smith, the director. Okay, which one was which again? Kevin Smith is the one in the trench coat that doesn't okay. talk. The one that's always kind of in shadow and stuff. Yeah. Okay. And then he has one line in the movie, which I guess is the the thesis of the movie. <laughs> but he says, what does he say? He says, there are a million good-looking women out there, but not all of them bring you lasagna at work. Right. Most of them just cheat on you. <laughs> Sounds like a guy that's been cheated on a lot. Yeah. 
Uh, and then that's so, but yeah, that's basically the movie though. Uh, but yeah, we never even mentioned Jay and Silent Bob. They they stand outside and sell drugs. Mm-hmm. And dance. Yeah. Huh? Oh, and the, the, there's the the um, Russian guy. Yeah. With oh, what is he singing? Berserker. Berserker. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. It's funny too. Yeah, so I mean that's the that's the film though. Yeah, I mean it's not. I guess it's not like a ton happens, but it's just really funny. And that's the thing is it it's engaging, even though it's not an active. There's not like a lot happening in the story, but it's engaging because each scene is engaging. Yeah. But yeah, I mean I I enjoyed it. I thought it was I thought it was very good. For sure, I would recommend it, and you know if. Uh... This Kevin Smith guy does more. I'd want to see it. Yeah, I'll check something out. I think that he's so. This movie got bought, not bought, but distributed by the distrib- distribution rights were purchased by Miramax, which does a lot of uh, in the, like sort of the independent art house type stuff that's been coming out lately, and you know, so that makes sense. But maybe he'll. Maybe he'll be able to to move on to a more bigger budgeted movie because I, I don't know how much this movie costs, but it's clear that it's not a lot. It's a yeah. shoestring budget for this movie, absolutely. But, I mean, that's kind of what makes it so awesome because you can tell that. Like, it's not like one of those big blockbusters or whatever. I mean, it's truly the, the content of the movie that makes it good. It's the acting and the writing. and yeah. You know, um, there's no... No frills and whistles. Frills and whistles. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, I, I, like I said, I mean, I, there's really not much more to say about it. It's a really good, good movie. Uh, it, it's hard to find. So if you're in our area, uh, like I, like I said, the main art house has it. I don't know how long it's going to show there for, but that's, uh, you know, that's that's a, a place to go see it. And if and when it comes to Blockbuster, I'm sure we'll let you know. Yeah. And then, you know, if you're somewhere else, I mean, every town, I think, has got a a, a little art house theater. So find your local out, out, not outhouse. Outhouse? Ew. Find your local art house Look theater. out for dead guys in there, too. <laughs> see if uh, if you can find it, because that's... It's worth it. Yeah, it's worth it for sure. So, uh, we will end this episode as we end every episode with our blockbuster pick of the week. Carol, this week, I am going to recommend the Hudsucker Proxy. I'm not familiar with that one. Will you tell me about it? Yeah, this is one that I I wanted to go see with you. I wanted to talk about on on the show, but we never really got a chance to do it. Uh, and then, you know, like other, just other things came up. There were other movies to talk about and everything, but it's a movie directed by brothers, Joel and Ethan Cohen. Uh, and it was, it was written by co-written anyway, by a man named Sam Raimi, who's from Michigan and made a movie called the evil dead and Evil Dead 2, so... I knew I recognized the name Sam Raimi. Yeah, so and he's, like I said, he's from here. But anyway, it's uh, Tim Robbins, and uh, Paul Newman's in it, so it's Jennifer Jason Lee. And basically, it's a movie about the president of this company dies, and they Paul Newman is part of the board. He wants to... He, he's... Uh, it's like about like a stock scam or something like that. Um, he's trying to get rich basically off of the back of this company, Paul Newman's character, and they need to find an idiot to run the company uh, in order for this to work. And they they find Tim Robbins, who's like a like a mailroom clerk or something like that, and promote him to president of the company. But he inadvertently invents the hula hoop. Hmm. Which becomes like a huge success. So it's it's you know, but it's it's a dark comedy is what I would describe it best as. 
these guys, they did Raising Arizona, which is one of my favorite favorite movies with Nicolas Cage. Oh, cool. Um, And Holly Hunter. So, you know, I like uh, some of their movies. And th- this one's really good as well. So if, if you're, you know, if you like kind of darker comedies, but, I mean, it's not super dark. But if you, you know, if you, but it's very funny. So it's more comedy than dark, but there there's some darkness there. But if you like, uh, you know, that, or if you're familiar with Joel and Ethan Cohen and you like their films, uh, I would go out and rent The Hudsucker Proxy. I think it's a, it's a very good one. Cool. All right, that is our show. Take it home, Carol. So don't forget, you guys can uh, write to us at Retro Late Fee with that weird little tilde at sign at AOL.com. <laughs> Um, and then, you know, give us the stars, tell people about us and all that jazz. All right. Have a good day. Bye. Bye.